Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Hello there from Bedford. How are you all? Did you all have a great weekend? I'm back home now, back home for 10 days and getting ready for the launch of Defiance. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy and sell Bitcoin. And on today's show, I am joined by Trace Mayer again, but this time I've got him on his own to discuss claiming your monetary sovereignty with Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. And remember, don't skip this. If you enjoy the show, it is the sponsors that allow me to do this. So firstly, today's show is brought to you by my good friends at BlockFi. And another month is over, so I'm going to be getting another interest payment from my Bitcoin interest account. Super cool, always exciting. And they've had so many cool updates with their interest accounts recently. So BlockFi firstly dropped all minimum deposits Interest account holding clients will no longer have to meet a minimum deposit amount in their Bitcoin, Ether or GSD to earn interest. Additionally, BlockFi has removed the early withdrawal penalty from their account and is now offering one free withdrawal per month to all clients. And with the recent announcement of BlockFi Flex, you can choose to receive your interest payments in the currency of your choice. With BlockFi interest accounts, you can earn interest every month on your Bitcoin, ETH and GSD. So you're interested in finding out more? I suggest you do your own research, then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Also, today's show is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the most trusted place and the safest place to buy and sell Bitcoin. And as I announced last week, they're also going to be sponsoring my new podcast, Defiance. So I continue to build a great relationship, love them and love the team. And if you're a trader, They've got your backs. They've got everything you could possibly need. They've got Kraken.com, which is the best place to buy, sell, and trade digital currencies. They offer margin trading with up to 5x leverage. They've got futures. They've got indices. They have got the Kraken OTC desk for large trades with private and personalized services. They've also got CryptoWatch, where you can trade multiple exchanges from a single platform. And for you advanced traders out there, they have without doubt the best account management service in the business. If you're a trader, there is no better place to trade than Kraken. So join me in supporting them and head over to kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Okay, so onto the show. And for a second time in a week, I've got Trace Mayer. It was great to get Trace on the other day with Caitlin and Tyler, which if you haven't listened to, I recommend you checking out. It was a monster show, but I did also get some time with Trace on his own to record a show. And with Trace... He is the self-proclaimed Babe Ruth of Bitcoin shills. He's also a massive gold bug. So naturally, the conversation turned to safe haven assets and hedging against a global recession. We also discussed putting your health before your wealth and the annual Proof of Keys event, which he did at the start of this year on January the 3rd, and I'll be covering with him again next year. Trace is super bullish. It's always good to get a good bit of hopium. So I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any feedback, you can hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, got a couple of notices. 
The first three shows for Defiance are ready. Hopefully, it'll be launching this Sunday if Apple approves the show. The interviews I'm going live with, episode one's going to be Alex Gladstein from the Human Rights Foundation discussing why we defy, essentially, the Defiance Manifesto. I've also got Tae Yong Ho, North Korea's most senior defector, and the Cambridge Analytica whistleblower, Brittany Kaiser. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. As I said, hopefully that will be out on Sunday. Also, I'm here in Bedford. I'm going to be here until October the 9th. and then going to be heading out to Ohio on the 10th for the Drop Bid event. From there, I'm going to be heading to Portland for my first time, followed by San Francisco. I'll then be in LA for a few days around CIS on October the 15th. From there, I'm going to be heading to Austin and then to New York for the Human Rights Freedom Forum on October the 23rd. So October is going to be busy. If you're any of those cities, feel free to give me a shout. And also, if you've got any questions about the show, hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Morning, Trace. Yeah, good morning. Great to be here. Second time in three days. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we, you're eking out every uh, drop out of me. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I heard about this like Bitcoin thing. A little yeah. bit of magic internet money. Are we going to talk about that? I heard it's uh, it's not real. It's going to go to zero. And there's this better one called, is it Bitcoin Cash? <laughs> Bcash? Bcash? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, I wrote an article back in, I think it's 2014, on whether Bitcoin is tangible. Because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's not real. And the, this, this was a gold bug argument, right? And, you know, coming out of the gold bug space, it's interesting the etymology on the word tangible. It actually comes out of mathematics and it's related to the word tangent, which means to kiss, you know, when you take the tangent on, uh, like off a circle or something. And it means reality, right? So, like, mathematics isn't corporeal but it's still tangible. It's still real. So I made that argument that Bitcoin is real, but not corporeal. You know, not doesn't have the physical tangibility, but it still has the, the reality uh, tangibility. So my little contribution to monetary science there. <laughs> People still get sucked into it, though. And we've seen it again with BSV. People just get sucked in. Yeah, I mean, they get sucked in all types of stuff. But, you know, you can't your brain doesn't work right like <laughs> you better fix that <laughs> yeah. all right i do want to talk about something i want to talk about monetary sovereignty that's your uh that's oh yeah your, that's I your love, bag man man i love monetary sovereignty there, all right there's something when you have your own money there is <laughs> yeah but do you know what i don't think a lot of people really truly understand money like genuinely i think most people like i did just think as money is something that goes into my bank every month and then I have a credit card or a debit card and I spend it and the end of the month there's none left and we move on to the next month but people don't really think about money enough until sometimes like it's too late like I'm 40 and I've only just started to realize you know how much I should think about money why is that what's going on well one I think that we just don't get educated on that financial knowledge and education in general is sorely lacking I mean you would think this stuff would be taught in middle school or even high school it's a basic life skill, and yet it's not taught at all. And that that's just basic stuff, like balancing a checkbook, doing a budget, <laughs> you know. Saving. What, saving, learning what an interest rate is, what insurance is. I mean, just some of these basic life skills that people should have. But, you know, another part is, I mean, I went to write a paper on the history of money and currency in American law, a graduate-level paper in law school, and I started researching this topic, and there just was not much there. And I think a lot of the reason for that is the economics profession 
which is really filled with just a bunch of political dogmatists, not actual scientists. You know, just like we had a bunch of political dogmatists that said that the the sun revolved around the earth because that's what the establishment wanted them to say. Uh, we have the same thing in the economics profession, basically to justify and rationalize and 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 give ideological support to a monetary system that is fundamentally unconstitutional uh, in the U.S., but also just an egregious violation of human rights. It enables confiscation through inflation, which is a form of taxation without representation, without due process of law. It erodes the political checks and balances with the power of the purse because the politicians can just print and print and print. And even worse, we try to uphold this concept of central bank independence as if we want this highly political entity that enables monetary elites to to manage the lives of millions of people through interest rates and monetary policy. And we don't want that to be political. We want them to be independent and, and insulated from the political process. So we, you know, create this gigantic moat where Federal Reserve Board governors and, and board members are elected like every seven years and like, well, not elected, they're, they're appointed. And I mean, it, it just insulates it so much from the political process and yet enables this type of monetary repression that, that happens. And and is able to dictate the choices of millions and hundreds of millions of people. And people just don't understand that this is happening because, one, they don't understand the difference between money and currency. They don't understand the the role of sound money as essential checks and balances in the political machinery. And a lot of them, they just don't claim their monetary sovereignty now that we have the ability to do that. Nor do they. Nor do most people even manage their financial affairs in a prudent way. Anyways, <laughs> they they get themselves in debt. They, I mean, it's it's just crazy. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like the way we spend and allocate our money and our resources shows what we really value and desire. <laughs> and it's like, man, why are people choosing some of the things they're choosing? <laughs> well, that's why Bitcoin's so interesting, right? Because. You can make some mistakes. I, you know, I have, I've, I've wasted Bitcoin now. And every time I spend Bitcoin, I really think about it, but I don't think about it with my money in my bank account. If I just want to go and buy something, I just spend it. But with Bitcoin, every time I'm like, mm, do I really want to spend that? Yeah. Because like Bitcoin is a massive battlefield of the economic war, you know, cause we're able to now secure monetary sovereignty and these sound property rights. But also, you know, the war is you against you. It's you against your future self. And it and the and it's this concept of time preference. You know, are you gonna when when you're when you don't have a sound tool like Bitcoin, the hardest money ever invented, it's easy to spend these like digits that are easily created just with control p by the central bankers right but like bitcoins that are hard to make more of i mean look at the what's happened to the hash rate of the mm -hmm. network i mean it's hard to make more bitcoins and then you're trading like current consumption versus future consumption or savings or things like this and it it starts to sting it really like it starts to sting because Especially the longer you've been in Bitcoin, because you're like, oh man, like I really spent 25 Bitcoin on that. <laughs> Every, everyone's got a story, right? I think I've given away over 
the last year or two years, if, I, if I've genuinely looked at it, it'd be, be between five and 10 Bitcoin. Oh my goodness. But when you think about that now. That's it's 100 grand. Yeah, it's 100 grand. But at the time, it's like, I'm half a Bitcoin here. But then I've been given some back, actually, you know, in fairness. Oh, that's nice. But yeah. you're, I mean, you do work too and you help people. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, okay. So let's break this down for some people. What is the difference between money and currency? Yeah. So this is. This is a very fine point of distinction, and both Michael Maloney and I seem to be on a similar page with this. And I wrote about it in my book, The Great Credit Contraction. You can get it at creditcontraction.com. It's a free PDF download. Don't charge for it anymore or anything. Uh, money, so, so I, I put it into four different groups. You've got currency, and then you've got money, money substitutes, and what I call illusions. So money is going to be an object or or something that I don't really like the word intrinsic value because, I mean, we have subjective value, but it's, it's something that has value more because of its internal characteristics as opposed to like a money substitute, which is a claim on, on the item or the asset that has value because of its intrinsic characteristics. And then we've got these things called illusions, like dollars, yen, euros. And these have value because of their external characteristics. And what do I mean by that? Well, we've got the, the market theory of money, you know, Nick Zabo, shells, gold, silver, most saleable good, Menger, basically the Austrian school argument. And then we regression theorem. And then we've got chartalism, which is the state theory of money that, you know, this little piece of paper has value because like some guy in a costume says it does. And just philosophically, like economic philosophy, chartalism is a, is a false, like it's just a false argument. Like things have value because individuals subjectively value them, not because somebody like puts a stamp on it and says it has value. And so like when we're looking at the money, money substitutes, like a silver certificate and illusions, they can all function as currency. And so currency would be the, the that item or, or asset or whatever that we're using in our day-to-day transactions. And it can be either money, money substitute, or, or, or illusions. But that would be the difference between money and, and illusions. And so with money, what I mean by these internal characteristics like gold, for example, is limited in amount by chemical law. It's an atom, mm-hmm. right, on the yep. periodic table. And that's an internal characteristic of gold. Bitcoin is limited in amount by mathematics um, in the consensus method mechanism and the cryptography and all this stuff. You know, just like gold are, are precious atoms, bitcoins are precious numbers, these private keys. So their bitcoins are limited in amount by their internal characteristics. Illusions, on the other hand, they're limited in amount by external characteristics, things like counterfeiting laws uh, or whatever uh, that gets related to that. So that's how I kind of distinguish between money, money substitutes, and illusions, how all of them can be currency. And, you know, and so then, you know, that that opens more cans of worms as you go further down because like in accounting 
you've got different parts of the balance sheet like cash. You, well, you got short-term assets, long-term assets. You got cash, marketable securities, stuff like this. But like when I look at the term cash, I want an asset which is not subject to another part counterparty's risk, financial ability, something that can't become worthless, something that's safe, highly liquid. You know, these are the types of characteristics I look at when defining cash and because cash needs to be that risk-free asset. Like what is the asset with the lowest risk profile that's also highly liquid? And that's what I define as cash. And then as you move out from from that into you can move into cash-like instruments. So, you know, is gold cash? Is Bitcoin cash? Or is the U.S. dollar cash? And for most corporations and, and people, they're using as the numeraire or the presentation currency under IAS-1, you know, because you have to present your financial statements in a unit of account, they're using as cash an illusion that could become worthless. I mean, look at Zimbabwe dollars. I mean, yep. there's nothing that, like, dollars can become worthless, euros can become worthless. Now, are they going to become worthless tomorrow? Probably not. But I, so I look at those as a cash-like instrument, but I, I want to measure my financial performance using a much more solid form of cash. Actually, and so that so I use gold and I use Bitcoin okay, so uh, for my numeraire. It was interesting because I've never seen anyone do this like you did. So when we were talking with Pomp, we were talking about various things and you were pricing everything in Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I've never been with someone who's done that on every single item they were pricing. And I've, I've only ever heard you do that. Yeah, so I, I, actually, I actually price everything. Well, I mean... I'm not pricing like gallons of gas when I'm filling up my car. No, but right? with business. But yeah, I mean, for business, I'm, oh yeah, I'm definitely looking at like Bitcoin as my risk-free rate or my risk-free asset. And so am I going to have a return on investment in Bitcoin, right? But I, I actually keep my financial statements in Bitcoin, gold, and US dollars. So I'm actually like every month, I'm like, you know, hey, did my net worth go up? measured in bitcoin did it go up measured in gold did it go up measured in usd and then i'm trying to manage having it go up in all three of those at the same time if i can right, right. i mean it's hard because bitcoin's so volatile um but i but i at least want my net worth going up measured in gold for sure so i'm going to come back to gold but so one of the things i've been thinking about if the dollar does depreciate so significantly that we go through a hyper bitcoinization we could get to the point where the value of bitcoin in dollars just kind of gets out of hand right yeah i mean it definitely could and is is that the point where you think people will stop thinking of the dollar as a unit account and then bitcoin will just become the unit of account and you just forget it i mean that's the that's the multi-trillion dollar question like what is the risk-free asset you know because you take your risk-free asset and then you start you start using that to do your economic calculation for everything around it. So, I mean, oh, you made a 12% return by investing in some piece of real estate? Like, should I give you props or should you just hodl Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're measuring your, if you have your financial statements in Bitcoin and in gold and in dollars, 
you know, you have to become a much better capital allocator in order to like actually be successful at having a return on investment. Yeah. So when we're doing when we're doing all of our calculations, like internal rates of return, return on investment, you know, initial weighted average cost of capital, you know, all of these different ratios that we need to calculate, like asset test ratios and uh, for our liquidity, you know, all these types of things, debt to debt to equity ratios, you know, I'm I'm calculating with these three different metrics, right? And so in some some cases, you know, I take on different types of debt, whether it's U.S. dollar denominated debt or yen denominated debt, you know, because if you can if you can, I mean, where it's going to get really crazy is when we start having like a Bitcoin fiat currency carry trade, especially with negative interest. What does that mean? Well, you can you can bar like Denmark, for example. They have negative interest yes, rate yeah. mortgages now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean that's kind of crazy when yeah. you think about it. Okay, so I'm going to borrow a hundred thousand euros. I'm going to pay back ninety nine thousand euros, and then I'm going to take the the hundred thousand euros and I'm going to buy Bitcoin, and then get a yield on Bitcoin somehow. You know, whether it's selling covered calls that are far out of the money. Or whether it's like, you know, one of these interest generating opportunities, which I mean, who knows whether they're Ponzi scams or not. I mean, you you really have to be careful assessing risk and stuff. But that like the carry trade, that's where you borrow in a lower interest rate currency and invest in a higher yielding asset or currency. You know, okay. so people would borrow yen and buy dollars. And so they're, they have a very low interest rate on the yen and they have a very, uh, a higher interest rate on the dollars. And then you're betting that like the capital appreciation or change between the two is going to be in your favor. But do you believe in a, or have you kind of like thought through an actual hyper Bitcoinization? Yeah. I mean, but I, I don't really, I don't really think that's how it's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? It's just going to be a, well, it's, um, you know, this is a, this is Bitcoin's like a mirror that you get to see everybody's cognitive dissonance and bias like mm. appear, right? And so it happens one by one. The the monetary revolution, people claiming their monetary sovereignty. And so I think it's I think it's gonna be largely gradual. It's gonna happen in different waves, you know, be based on the happening and the price appreciations and stuff like that. But Bitcoin's been around over a decade and there are still people that like I mean, they've heard about it, but they haven't bought any. I mean, I had a friend. <laughs> he talked all about how he like was investing in Bitcoin and buying it and everything. And come to find out, he hadn't actually bought any Bitcoin. <laughs> he just wanted to like look cool, like he'd been buying it. Well, look, I'm <laughs> the bit- like some private equity group, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm the Bitcoin guy on Facebook amongst my circle of friends, ov- yeah. obviously and clearly. And I talk about it all the time. And I don't just post up my podcast i just drop little bits in there I'm, i might drop in an article about negative interest rates and so you, yeah. just, you just need to be aware of this or and i think maybe 10 have bought bitcoin at one time or another and i think one really is into it, it nobody cares yeah i mean it, it takes people a while yeah. to like hone in on this but i think they have to make some money off it realistically yeah i mean that's a this first spe- first network effect of speculation i yeah. mean like that's a strong one man like it built san francisco from nothing like 800 people, you discovered gold. Now it's like one of the greatest poop-covered cities in the world. <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> maybe I'll get that fixed one of these days. And then it would be, I mean, San Francisco could just has so much potential, like if they'd actually like clean stuff up. But, but speculation, just such a strong network effect. And once people start making money on Bitcoin and like those, the, the money, like the way the money impacts people's emotions and feelings and everything, I mean, it just becomes very strong and, you know, people make money or lose money on Bitcoin, but like that kind of hooks a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And then, then they, they stay for the monetary sovereignty because I mean, you know what it's like when you're a kid and like, oh, can I take the car out? But like when you get your own car. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just the full game. But like stuff just changed, you know, like when you have your own money, like stuff changes. Yeah. So, you know, people might come for the price appreciation and stuff, but then, you know, they're going to be shifting time and attention away from Game of Thrones or whatever they're otherwise dinking around with. And they're going to be listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And then they're going to get turned into like Bitcoin monsters. <laughs> well, for <laughs> me, it's, sads. you know, for me, it's I'm thinking, right, I'm ret- like, I've been divorced. So I, lo- I lost 70% of my uh, <laughs> net worth with that. And then my company failed afterwards. Oh, no. So I, you know, I went from very comfortable position, good projections, a company that was worth seven figures to, you know, I nearly lost my house. And then I got into Bitcoin and did well, then screwed it up. But now I've got this kind of like time horizon where I think in, firstly, I think in terms of halvenings, <laughs> but I also, I'm, I'm thinking 20 years time, right? I don't want to be working. I mean, maybe this won't be a job and I'll enjoy doing it for it. fun. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like 20 years time, right? I don't want to sell any of my Bitcoin for like 20 years because I'm thinking in 20 years, that could be my retirement. But I did come for the appreciation at first. That flips happened now where I'm thinking about in terms of saving and protecting my financial future. And the monetary sovereignty has, has also become part of that. And it's, it's again, for me, that's something quite new because I was never a gold bug. I've never owned or bought any gold, right? Bitcoin is the first time I've had my own kind of like real asset that means something to me. Are you still a gold bug? Oh, yeah. I love gold, man. What do you make of all like the gold v. Bitcoin arguments? It seems to me like I think people need to accept both are going to exist. Well, I think there's there's a lot more to gold than just the money part of it. I mean... Gold is a huge, like, meme in humanity, right, in mm. history. And you go over to India, you know, the, the the masters of the mind, right? And you get, I mean, gold is very prominent over there. Like, you get, you get bowls and spoons. Well, they wear like, it as well, right? They wear it like you eat out of the gold. And you, you buy the gold not to make any money on it. In fact, you never ever sell the gold and you hand it down through the generations and so the gold becomes the gold becomes a tool that can help focus the mind but and, it's a store of wealth it's jewelry as well right yeah well that's why they they you know and they give the the dowries and stuff with the jewelry and everything but but really like they're using the gold as a tool to focus the mind and so you know, I think we can do a similar type of thing with Bitcoin, you know, because there's an aspect of gold like, I mean, it's just raw power. I mean, I don't know if you've ever held gold in your hand. I've held it in India. Well, I've well, been to one of those amazing, huge. Yeah, jewel- but but how much? 
like, like like yeah. a little one ounce like probably actually it didn't didn't have it cupped like a bowl like you said you know i just went in and held some jewelry yeah i mean like put put a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of gold in your hand yeah like see how that feels right right yeah. like it's like pure power yeah. okay. <laughs> and so there's an aspect of like gold that helps focus and discipline the mind and sound money does that and and that is one thing because bitcoin is not corporeal you know, so you're you're not going to get the same type of sensory experience with Bitcoin that you can get with gold in terms of like focusing the mind, using the senses. And, and I think there's an aspect of gold that it acts like a multiplier, like a force multiplier or a power amplifier on like energy that you're putting into it. And so, I mean, yeah, I like gold. Like gold is freaking cool because you can take gold and you can amplify power or energy through it to then accomplish more things in in like what you're trying to do. But it's also losing value against Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean everything is, you know, and and that's the trillion dollar question. Like, yeah. what's the new risk free asset from earlier in the discussion? Yeah. But you, you're not acquiring the gold because of for solely for the monetary benefit that you would get from it you're acquiring the gold for the mental or the emotional power that you're able to exercise with it but that that doesn't doesn't happen for everyone right that's clearly something that because you've been around gold a long time you've traded it you understand it you've you had a website about it right uh, yeah but i mean i think there might be something in the human dna i mean gold's freaking gold, big it's well, a big in us meme. as well right yeah, well, I mean, it's probably tiny like t tiny little amounts, but it's, I mean, it's, I mean, we're 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 moving more into the realm of the mind and and our emotions and how we're crafting our experience of this physical reality in this discussion about gold and like the way we can use it. But you prefer Bitcoin for what? Right. I guess you prefer Bitcoin for returns. I guess that's your the Bitcoin's well, your brain, gold's your heart. Well, well, gold. Like I've found that my my net worth, like the more gold that I'm able to acquire, the bigger my net worth seems to be able to become. And so, like you know, because I mean, I think everybody should have a meditation practice. Right. Like you, you need to be like, you want to become a hodler of last resort. Like you think that's easy, like getting whipped around on all your emotions. <laughs> like can, can you discipline, can you interact with the, the energy that comes from money and, and the Bitcoin bull and bear, like, or, or are you going to get shaken out of your position? Cause there are a lot of people like, Oh, I would have bought Bitcoin at whatever price. Yeah. But you would have sold it. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah. I, like, but you can use, like, I've found that you can use gold to discipline your mind and your emotions, right? And that's really, like, if you, if you, you're not really going to be successful financially. I mean, sure, there, there are some, some unusual, abnormal cases, but, but by and large, if you, if you want to become fin financially successful, you need to be able to have your, you need to be in order. Like your mind and your heart and your emotions and stuff, that all needs to be in order. And gold can be a very good tool to help in disciplining 
those things. How though? Explain to me how. Well, one, it helps change time preference. Two, right, okay. like it's a it's a very and humanity's used it for millennia to change time preference okay. and use as an instrument to trade between the current self and the future self. You know, disciplining the current self, like not just eating everything in sight. You know, saving for the future. All of these types of things made possible because of an instrument like gold that we've used for monetary exchange and economic calculation. So, I mean, it's just been built into the human psyche for millennia. I mean, it's, it's such a huge meme in that sense. Next up, I talk to Trace more about Bitcoin and gold. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. And this week, I've got to welcome my new sponsor, Wire. And a big thanks to my buddy, Michael Dunworth, for sponsoring the show. So whether you are a solo developer or a large team, if you are looking to simplify user onboarding and offer an easy, fast way to purchase Bitcoin, then you really need to talk to the team over at Wire. Since 2013, Wire's focused on taking care of the heavy lifting in terms of compliance, payments and liquidity so you can focus on building your core offering your idea could be the next killer app so don't let the regulators kill it let wire handle all the heavy lifting for you to find out more you can reach out to wire or create a developer account at semwire.com which is s-e-n-d-w-y-r-e.com note that wire is spelled w-y-r-e so again that's sendwire.com which is s-e-n-d-w-y-r-e.com also, today's show is brought to you by my friends Dropbit, and I told you, they've got some updates coming. Somebody figured it out. Somebody on Twitter figured it out, one of them. So anyway, I'm not going to tell you about it yet because they're going to give me a massive kick up the ass if I do, but hopefully we're going to be announcing these things soon because I'm heading out to Ohio in 10 days. I'm going to be out there with the team, Dropbit at their event. I'll be giving them a push to get these announcements out. But if you haven't got Dropbit yet, why not? Come on, I've been telling you about this for ages. It's the only Bitcoin wallet I use. For me, it's the best Bitcoin wallet on the market. I love all their cool features, which makes them like a Venmo for Bitcoin. Yes, you've got all the normal features for pasting addresses and using QR codes, but the cool thing about Dropbit is that you can text and tweet Bitcoin to people. Available for the iPhone and Android. If you want to try it out, head over to dropbit.app, which is D-R-O-P-B-I-T dot app. And lastly, as I mentioned, I'm going to be heading out to CIS in Los Angeles on October the 15th. I'm going to be recording a couple of live shows with Tim Draper and Travis Kling, so that's going to be pretty cool. And the organizers of CIS, Joseph and Alon of GHV, just launched a campaign to give everyone free tickets to their conference. They are on a tear to spread mass adoption of Bitcoin and are literally paying you to get started. It's going to be huge. Head over to cis.la forward slash WBD to find out how you can get a free ticket for their event. So I need to buy some gold, my first gold purchase. Well, I mean, you get a little like bit. you can do whatever you want to do, but I mean, like you look at your own, like you look at your own mind and your own thoughts and your own emotions and stuff like that. Like, are you as disciplined and ordered as you want to be no nope. or do you want to become more ordered and yeah. more disciplined of course yeah you know and okay you want to become more ordered and disciplined like you know i find gold to be a very useful tool to to be able to accomplish that type of stuff and gold's also hard money right oh yeah yeah just, i mean it's scarce limited in amount it's a physical object like an atom it's not as hard as bitcoin well, that's true. Stock to flow. Well, currently, stock to flow is better on gold, but, you know, halving is going to happen very soon, and then Bitcoin's going to overtake it in that regard. But, you know, there, there's other aspects to gold. Like, you can't ever really destroy gold. 
And even if you dissolve it, it can always be put back together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's just so much that we can learn from gold and so much it has to be able to teach us in the realm of the mind. Because, I mean, the money, the money and trading and like all this stuff, like it's really, it's really more of a, an internal battle of the mind than it is an external battle. But, you know, if you're, if you can't even discipline yourself, like, guess what? You're going to get disciplined by someone else. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to like get you in debt. <laughs> and then they're going to make you like do whatever they want you to do, what, what they want you to do. Because you borrower is the servant to the lender. But the sweat of the sun, you know, gold, the ancient metal of kings. I mean, that's, that's, been a, that's been a tool for people to claim their monetary sovereignty for millennia. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I like it for some of these more intangible reasons you know and it's subjective value theory you know we like everybody's going to be valuing different things different ways but yeah i mean i i like gold for those reasons you know but in terms of like strict roi and stuff like that it's really hard to compete with bitcoin but you know when 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 the may and you can you can use the mayor multiple for example you can use the mayor multiple on the bitcoin gold ratio and you know, when when that ratio gets out of out of sync, you know, trade some some bitcoins for some more gold, and you know, then you can pet your gold, you know, and like you can use it. Like <laughs> you you will find that your 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 financial situation and just your overall mental and emotional landscape will do a lot better if you are like petting your physical gold instead of watching some stupid thing on the internet <laughs> you know cat videos or like game of thrones or whatever you know d- cultivating your mind and, and your your mental discipline and stuff like that and that's going to feed out into all the aspects of your life where's your ill discipline in what do you mean in life where's your weakness weakness yeah. oh man well like i think you gotta tr- you have a, you gotta have a good relationship with yourself man yeah. and like one of the ways I like have a good relationship with myself is ice cream. <laughs> you know, I mean, we got we got a lot of this like we're only going to eat meat or whatever. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like we had some awesome steaks oh, like man, here in Wyoming, good like good steaks. And but I mean, I I still eat ice cream, man. Like because I get a lot of pleasure out of eating ice cream. That's your thing, right? And and so well, I you know Ben and Jerry's. No, no, no. Tillamook, Hagen dazs like the good stuff, yeah, the, the really, really good stuff, you know. And I mean, when you don't have a good relationship with yourself, I mean, it's just going to feed out into everything. Because, like, I, I kind of look at the human experience. We got health, wealth, experiences, and relationships. And people, you know, get they just get things kind of out of order and out of whack. I mean, I had a friend, you know, spent. 90 minutes a day, six to, six days a week in the gym for 10 years, you know, like a human protein shake, only ate white rice and chicken. I mean, yeah, like in great physical condition, but his mind was not in very good physical condition. And, you know, and so he like had all types of anxiety and like, you know, that's screwing up the nerves and like next thing you know, like he's got TMJ in the jaw and and then the doctors have to break his jaw in two places and wire his mouth shut in order to fix the TMJ. And it is all because he didn't have a good relationship with himself. Right. You know, like, why aren't you eating some ice cream? Like, treating yourself good. You know, but he goes, he goes and beats himself up in the gym 90 minutes a day, six, six days a week. 
And then and then rewards himself by eating a super bland like diet of rice and chicken. You know, not a, a good relationship with himself. You know? Those things that you split up, I reckon I put majority in experiences. I yeah. Just, I constantly fill my time with experiences and my health to some extent and certainly my wealth suffer. I was talking to Pomp about it last night. He was saying like, you know, if Bitcoin goes up and then you can invest something else, like if it goes up, I'm just going to go on holidays. I'm going to buy a car. Like <laughs> I put everything into experiences. I've got such low time profile. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, we we only live once, exactly. right? Like uh, we don't know how supposedly how like, many days are left. Yeah, we don't we don't know how many days are yeah. left. There are a lot of there are a lot of people, man. They they die with a lot of money in the bank. Yeah, and they wish they'd, you know, they they wish they'd spent a little bit more time with the kids when they were growing up instead yeah. of in the office, you know, because man, life life comes at you fast. Like you have to find joy in the journey now. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you're live, if you're only living for tomorrow, you're gonna pile up a lot of yesterdays, and so you know it's it it definitely is a balance. And I mean, how much can you enjoy life if you're if you're like in constant chronic pain? Like if your if your health is out of whack, right? So that's mm-hmm. why I put health as like the bottom foundation. Wealth is next on there because you know when you have monetary sovereignty and you're not in debt serving to the lender, you know, and you have a lot of, you have excess reserve, like excess savings and all this type of stuff. Like now you can do a bunch of experiences, have yeah. a bunch of fun. And, but you know, it's not where you go, it's who you go with. So that's why, you know, you got experiences, but then above that you've got relationships. And of course, you know, the pinnacle of relationships are going to be, you know, husband and wife, parents and children, you know, and then you, kind of branch out from there in terms of happiness and being able to kind of find all that stuff. So it's, you know, a lot of people just get it, just get it out of order. They get it out of whack or they, or they think like, Why it's so oh, out of whack? oh, if, oh, if I'm, oh, if I'm only a, a human protein shake, like this girl will like me. Right. And it's like, no, like it's how uh, you, you got to get, you got to get yourself in order. got to get your mind in order. got to get your heart in order. Then, then when that's in order, like you're gonna you're gonna naturally gonna gravitate towards someone else who's in order. Then you guys are gonna like go down the road and have a super happy relationship together, doing like great experiences. And yeah, so I mean, like we don't like why do we ta- why do we want to have a healthy body? I mean, well, we want to have a healthy body so we can have a healthy functioning mind, and we want to have a healthy functioning mind. Why? Like, what's the purpose? I would I would argue that if your purpose is so that you can be of helpfulness and service and, and, and help other people as opposed to focused on your own selfishness. I mean, you got to put yourself first. You, you got to take care of yourself first, you know, so don't exclude that, but not, but you're taking care of yourself so that you can be a better help to other people. That's going to help you find the happiness in life. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be constantly chasing little Mario coins thinking that's going to make you happy. I mean, go look at a bunch of people in New York. They freaking work like 110 hours a week. Yep. You know, like stressed out. Being being a being a spreadsheet monkey, like for real, like that. That's that's the experience you want. Yeah, but like, a lot of people do careers they don't really like chasing money. Well, yeah, but that's because their their priorities are out of whack, right? It's not yeah. it's not that loving money is the problem. It's when you love money more than you love helping or being a service to other people right 
Like you, you got to, you just got to get stuff in the right order. Like if, if loving yourself is up in your head as opposed to in your feet or loving money is in your head as opposed to in your torso, you know, that you're, you're getting stuff out of whack. Yeah. But you've also got to try and find something you really genuinely enjoy doing or get away from having a job. I think a job is something you don't want to do. It's like, so this isn't a job. Well, because you, you're fun. finding more of a passion and you yeah. got more of a purpose. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I think I think jobs or different tasks like it's great for some people. You know, like last night at dinner, I was talking with our general counsel at Kraken because she was a, a U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania, first female U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania in like ever two hundred years, right? And I was just like, man, in another life, I think I just would have loved being involved in the criminal law in some way, like either a defense attorney or a prosecutor. Like, I mean, I loved those classes in law school. You know, I, I think I would have found a ton of passion, like in that area. It just wasn't what I felt my calling inside was, you know, like, cause all of us, like we speak to ourselves in like this very subtle, very quiet voice, but we, you know, we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves what we need to do. But the problem is, is that we lie to ourselves. A bunch you know we lie to ourselves thinking like oh like if you become a human protein shake then you'll like find happiness or like whatever the lie is oh if i get a bunch of money then i'll be happy it's like no man like you can enjoy a sunset just as much as bill gates yep like like some of the happiest people in the world don't have any money but your your career was seeded i think quite early on i'm sure i've heard a story about something that your dad did did your dad? Well, I wanted a bicycle, and my dad was yeah. like, "How are you going to buy it?" Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I've always kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit in there. But I mean, even like my work in Bitcoin-related stuff. I mean, for me, it's not—it's never been about making money. It's been about like taking the beachhead of monetary sovereignty. I mean, this is the great battle of our time. Mm-hmm. We're on a planet that's chained by central banks that engage in monetary repression and they have all the money and guns in the world. And it's like, how are you going to win this battle? You're, you're going to go to fight against this and all you got is math on your side. I mean, that's freaking pretty cool. Yeah. Like, like bring it on, you know? I mean, cause like everybody loves the fastest runner. They love the highest jumper. Like people might not like it, but I mean, Americans, they love the sting of battle. You know, it's just kind of built into our DNA from like running the British off with the con- with the with the revolutionary war and I love being reminded the constitution. Of that. Oh yeah, now now you're going to have to try and run us off, right? Uh, yeah, but like you know what? I still come here and have your you have still got terrible tea. The tea here is this tea here is fucking terrible. Like how have you not like it's almost like is this is this like some are you trying to prove a point? The tea is Fucking terrible, but well, it's not hard to get. Well, fiat money, fiat food, fiat tea, man. fiat tea. <laughs> like, like it's a it's a real problem. Fiat art, like, but but it, you know, America, America's definitely got this like aspect of self determination to it, and where, you know, I, I I feel that each of us, you know, we have we have that little voice inside. It tells us what we should do. We just lie to ourselves. Don't do it. <laughs> then we get wrecked, you know, like our lives become just a disaster. But America's provided this environment where people can become their very best self 
because they have so many, so much opportunity and so much choice uh-huh. compared to other places. You know, look at Hong Kong, look at China. Like, really? Like, you want to go outside the mold there? It's going to be a little painful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, especially up in the north of China now with oh, the Uyghurs. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the like you know, yeah, they're putting Muslims in concentration camps Actual in China. Concentration camps. And you know, I mean, America was founded on religious freedom. It was founded on this concept of like self determination and freedom of speech and stuff like that. You know, and Britain has a long history of freedom of speech and like Isaac Newton and. Uh, Cambridge and Oxford and like a lot of that stuff. So yeah, but that's even being repressed in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm being sued for saying words right now, as you are perfectly aware. Well, it's what like Craig, right? I think or uh, something. More. And, but, but I'm saying that, he, he's gonna he he's got himself wrecked. You know, uh, he, he owes five hundred thousand bitcoins that I bet money he's <laughs> never had. <laughs> but 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 just back to that. So and that stuff in China actually is really really scary. And it brings me on to another question because one thing I was thinking about. So say Bitcoin does continue to grow, say it leads to a separation of money and state, it weakens the U.S. government. Well, it's going to weaken governments in general. It's going to have a hard time funding themselves. But but I would have thought, could that, the way China's policy towards Bitcoin, is that a defense of their government? And would that give China a huge amount of strength over the U.S.? Is that a global risk? Uh. No, I don't think so. Because like whichever society adopts the soundest, hardest money, and and has the freedom and ability to do that, and and is able to perform economic calculation to then allocate resources and generate wealth at a much faster uh, rate and everything, China all they 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 just they have too much bureaucracy. They don't they're not able to really perform economic calculation, and so much of the wealth over there has been as a result of being able to just leech off of the productive capacity of the areas of the world that do have freedom and i think trump mentioned like since he took office the change in net worth between china and the u.s has been a 17 trillion dollar delta you know and it's just getting started like the u.s calling back all the capital that that is like moved over to china so you you actually support what trump's been doing right well, he's doing stuff in favor of the U.S. And, and while the U.S. is not perfect, I mean, this is where I was born. Like, 10th grade grandfather came over on the Mayflower. Uh, lots, you know, I had lots of family involved in the Constitutional Convention and signing the Declaration of Independence. So, I mean, it's just kind of my worldview from where I was born. And, and I think that, you know, we have a lot more freedom and liberty here than other countries in the world. I mean, I've been in other countries where, you know, I've not been able to have the type of freedom of speech and other things that, that I like to do that I have in the U.S. You know, and, and so I, I like that we at least have the option in the U.S. to do things mm-hmm. or not do things. Like other countries, you don't get the option. You, get, you go to the gulag. Yeah. Right? I'm like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, I've come to appreciate it more over here. I mean, we were talking about guns last night. Uh, and I, I've, done a, I've done a 180 on that. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, I can't remember. It was a few months ago, the latest ever shooting. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Your gun laws are crazy. But, you you know, I've come over here to Wyoming, and I've spent time, you know, I was out with Tyler last night, and, you know, we were chatting to a bunch of girls who all, they're all country girls. They live on the farm. And you know, explaining the the culture of you know, raising cattle, of weapons. 
and I've I kind of come to understand it, but I've come to understand when you're out somewhere like here, it's very different from New York and LA. And if you come to America and you visit New York and LA and then, and then try and have an opinion on the gun laws, you really don't understand America. Right. Because actually, I don't think of New York and LA as real America anymore. I think that is maybe the bits of the British that has left over. <laughs> well, there's some, definitely some aspect to that. I mean, just the, you know, being able to have a lot more land versus being all cramped together like a bunch of rats on top of each other that we have in the cities. And and actually if you if you take out a lot of the big metropolitan areas and look at much more rural America, the crime rates and especially like gun crime rates are lower than even Switzerland. Yep. So, you know, America is actually a very very safe place. You know, I think we we get a lot of stuff like you know, these mass shootings and who knows what the real cause of those are or the real purpose of it is, you know, that excites the public conscious or whatever and makes people go into a frenzy about uh, guns or whatever. But America, by and large, is, a, is an extremely safe place in the world. And so and I think a lot of that's attributed to the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the right to bear arms. The rule of law, republic form of government, you know, all of these types of things. Yeah, I definitely also come to appreciate the the federal versus state level law and the federal versus state level operation of the politicians. And, you know, what it was being explained to me the other day is whereby actually you want to keep as much law at a state level and away from the central government because you want almost competition between states. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's. Well, we're descended from the British, right? I mean, my ancestors were from uh, England okay. and, and other parts of uh, like Scandinavian stuff. But yeah, I mean, we, we descend from the British common law. You know, we have that in our tradition. We have a written constitution versus a, an unwritten one like the British have. But I mean, there are a lot of similarities. You know, we, we have the House and the Senate. You guys have the House of Lords and the House of Commons. So we, we have a lot of similarities, but yeah, the, the states being sovereign and the federal government, that was actually, we picked that up from the Native Americans, you know, because that's how they, the tribes uh, governed and I never joined into, yeah, joined into federations. And so, like, we actually picked that up from them and when, when we were, uh, like, deciding how to form, form the federal government back under the Articles of Confederation. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very interesting experiment in political democracy yeah <laughs> but I mean, america is a gigantic powerhouse on the world stage as a result of this yeah in, in an economic powerhouse the likes of which the world has never seen and i mean what what made america great it was sound money coupled with like this principle of limited government and what's going to make america great again it's going to be Bitcoin and sound money and freedom of speech and returning to this more limited form of government. So I find it I find it very ironic that Trump kind of attacks Bitcoin because it's like, nah, man, like you need to get B- Bitcoin's what's going to make America great again <laughs> and keep America great. But it could also, I mean, it can make any nation great now, really. Well, yeah, everyone I mean, has a chance. Like, yeah, I mean, who's going to pick up this weapon and wield it? right to perform more accurate economic calculation and mm. and have tremendous amounts of wealth accrue to it from 
people who are in the other nations that are, you know, buying and storing into Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, having these property rights in nations where you don't have it, Africa, South America, stuff like that. I mean, Bitcoin is, man, it's just such a cheaper form of, of acquiring property rights than anything else that we've ever found. How do you think it's going to play out with the the kind of state of the macro global economy right now because obviously there's a lot of things to be concerned about i mean you were talking about the repo market oh, the yeah. other day. was it 200 billion that's been pumped in well i mean it's an overnight repo market and it started at like 53 billion and then 75 75 75 but it was oversubscribed but it's not cumulative right what is the repo market though so i don't actually it's, understand it's it. overnight cash okay. so banks get themselves leverage and they have to borrow money overnight to not be insolvent and some of these banks are paying 10 percent for overnight cash, which is crazy. And then, so the feds opened up and, and helped, but then that gets oversubscribed. So there was 75 billion, but 80 billion subscribed for it. So that means some bank needed $5 billion of overnight cash and didn't get it. Right. <laughs> like, why and why the banks are running out of cash, that's another really big question. And then what another- What do you think they are? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, well, one one is like some of the banks, some of the banks aren't out of cash, but they aren't lending to the banks that need it. So that's a big question. Like, why don't they trust these other banks to just lend them money for one day, right? I think the tariffs might be playing a role into this because that's changing how the cash flows. Maybe a bunch of, bunch of cash went in for tax payments. You know, that's what some of the articles said, like, oh, we, a lot of the corporations made a bunch of tax payments. Okay, maybe maybe to some degree. I mean, the banks are always kind of a mis- mismatch between demand deposits and longer-term debt instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, And so they're always fraudulent. You know, they always are insolvent if people demanded what they're legally entitled to with demand deposits. But, like, everybody doesn't make a run on the bank so yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the what the cause might be, other than you know people are getting they're just scared out there, you know, legitimately. Because why do you trust the valuation of any of these derivatives on other banks? You know, they're overstating the value of the assets, they're understating the value of the liabilities. Everybody's playing the same game. All the balance sheets are just waiting to get massive holes blown in them from these financial weapons of mass destruction with the derivatives. When the derivatives begin to fail, you know, they rely on the counterparty, the financial ability to pay. And when they're not able to do that, then the nominal becomes the notional. And that just like disintegrates balance sheets across the board. So I think 2007, 2008, 2009, the fundamental structural problems didn't get fixed and you know maybe it's just kind of rearing its head again uh it feels some like it'd of these be a lot more ugly this time yeah i mean i've kind of estimated it's going to be anywhere like 8 to 13 times larger than it was you know 8 which you know like gold and gold and and bitcoin equity based nobody's liability proof of keys you know started proof of keys uh, proofofkeys.com January 3rd, we withdraw all of our Bitcoin from any third party. Did I tell you because of that, I found half a Bitcoin? 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I went through all my exchanges uh, when I used to trade the shit coins, and there was one exchange called Cryptopia. Oh, yeah. There was half a Bitcoin on there that I didn't know about, right? Anyway, I took it off. It was only like a week, two weeks later, they got hacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you saved me half a Bitcoin. Yeah, Cheers, well, man. you know, and, and several people have mentioned that. You know, part of it is just good hygiene. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just every every year, let's just go and get all of our Bitcoins off any third-party services. But the the implications of that are let's have a global coordinated bank run on the asset that's strictly limited in amount <laughs> and can be instantly verified via a distributed consensus blockchain, right? And so, you know, if banks are having trouble with having cash, overnight cash, when when that asset can be printed out of nothing, imagine what type of trouble they, you know, these institutions could run into if they actually have to deliver Bitcoin and you can't print that out of nothing. There's no lender of last resort. They're hodlers of last resort. So, Do you think the exchanges should be doing proof of reserves? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, and, and we have we have stuff like that built into the Wyoming legislation for, right. the, for the special purpose depository banks. It's just we, you know, all the it's a lot of fly-by-night, like scrappy little startups. So what and, do you make of... Um, these interest accounts then, because uh, <laughs> the, I go both ways with them. But like, obviously, one of mine's a, a client. Um, I've used them. Yeah. I've made interest. It's really quite cool. And But at the same time, there's this split view. Some people are saying it's natural to have financial products within Bitcoin. It's, it's going to happen. And then other people are saying you're not managing your private keys. Well, when you, when you hold your own keys and you're performing your own network consensus by running a full node, that... I would say is cash and you're in cash and that's risk-free, the risk-free rate, right? And if you want to move out from that into and take on more risk and get compensated for it, that's an economic calculation to perform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you make that, that economic judgment call, economic calculation judgment call and decide like, Oh, you know, it's good to pick up, I don't know what one do you use, BlockFi or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah, BlockFi. and I want that six percent or whatever it is. You know, everybody gets to make those 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 decisions, and there is going to six network effect is financialization. I mean, we're going to get like I trade puts and calls on LedgerX, fully collateralized Bitcoin options. It's great, you know. I sell covered calls at like twenty k strikes. They expire worthless. I keep the premium, like. I feel very comfortable with LedgerX. They're CFTC regulated. They're SEF, DCO. I get audited financial statements as mm-hmm. a clearing member. I had just a Quran. What's that? I had just a Quran. Oh yeah, I, that was a great interview. Yeah. By the way, I listened to it. Great product, mm. you know. But but I'm taking risk. I'm not taking counterparty risk because the bitcoins are not on LedgerX's balance sheet. They're actually segregated and in a footnote. But I am taking performance risk. You know whether LedgerX is going to properly keep the contract you know are they going to secure my bitcoins well and are they going to send them to me when i make the withdrawal yeah which they did yeah i did proof of keys on january 3rd and they sent a lot of bitcoin to me like it was great so are you going to run you're going to run the campaign again oh every year every year every year because one we just need to have good hygiene when Mm -hmm. otherwise we're going to leave half a bitcoin on whatever exchange gets hacked right like i mean that's and you might forget about it. You just forget. I just forgot you know? about it. I didn't know it was there. It's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think it's just a good practice to do in terms of like your your 
hygiene of like knowing where your money's at. You know, half a Bitcoin is like five thousand dollars. I, I mean, <laughs> you and you leave half a Bitcoin on there, and you come back a year later, and Bitcoin ran from ten grand to a hundred grand. Like now, it's fifty grand, like in that Cryptopia account, right? And then also, people get to learn a lot of lessons because when you when you submit that withdrawal request, I mean, the, supposedly those Bitcoins are yours. Are they going to send them or not? And you're going to learn a very important lesson because they're either going to s- immediately send you your Bitcoin. Or you're just going to wait. Yeah, but you know what? There's a race now. You say Gen 3rd, but if there's a problem, you can think, well, I'm going to do my Gen 2nd just in case. Well, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's some of that and everything. And I mean, January 3rd is just kind of a Important day. Rallying, rallying flag. I mean, it, you know, just so people, I mean, why not? It's fun, you know, and we all get to do something together. But yeah, I mean, there could be further firms that get decapitated. Like Quadriga CX. Well, that's still very weird. Well, I mean, I did proof of keys on December 9th. A week later, he meets with his attorney, sets up the estate plan. A week after that, he dies in India in a hospital, and then his wife takes his body back to the hotel. Like, what? Dude, where is he? I mean, I mean, it's just really weird, right? Yeah, look, I, and, I think that guy's somewhere. And then Quadriga CX fails, yeah. and people lose $250 million, which... They actually had lost the $250 million earlier. It's just it didn't get marked to market until after Proof of Keys. How did they lose it? Do we know? Oh, they probably stole it all. Um, <laughs> and, and I think they lost some sending Ether to the wrong contract, and then the price of Ether went up, and so they're playing that like catch-up game. Uh, you know, and these things, these things don't really get discovered until you, know, you have a significant amount of people saying, hey, just you know that Bitcoin that I own? Like, just send it all to this address right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you learn something very valuable because they either send it or they don't. And you're also going to learn a lot of stuff about your accounts with, like, withdrawal limits. You know, you might have a you might have $50,000 worth of Bitcoin on Coinbase, and then you find out you can only withdraw $2,000 a day because that's the amount of verification you've had on your account, right? So, you know, you can you can... Engage in this just this good hygiene practice of finding where all your bitcoins are at and other crypto, preemptively getting your your accounts verified to higher tiers or degrees so that you get higher withdrawal limits and all of this stuff, and then you get to actually go through the process of of making the withdrawal and handling the bitcoin, and then you can make a deposit. You know, I think people underestimate how valuable it is to develop this human capital of just being able to move the Bitcoins around and, like, performing the validation with your own full node. You know, I mean, these are just kind of basic skills, but you got to keep them sharp. You know, if, you're, if you don't keep your skills sharp, you might lose some of it. And so, you know, like every year, you know, we can just do this. And, and it also helps generate a bunch of discussion for, mm-hmm. you know, in the public space. And then the, think about the poor new people that come into the space. Yeah. You know, like, so every year, you know, we get to have this event and like the new people coming into the space, like they get to, they get their initiation. They yeah. get to become a real Bitcoiner by participating in proof of keys and like demanding the Bitcoin into their wallet. They get an increased degree of confidence by actually going through the process and gaining these skills and, and, and proving that they can do it to themselves. I mean, there's really no downside to it. And there's only upside 
you know, for you as an individual, developing all those skills and abilities. And it also helps us test the systems for all these companies, you know, test their ability to manage hot wallets and warm wallets and cold wallets and Mm -hmm. moving the Bitcoins around. And, and it's better to, to have that, the those ex, those fire drills like happen. A detox. Yeah, it's like a detox or it's like a fire drill. Mm-hmm. It's good to practice your emergency procedures rather than like actually get into the emergency and then like you're doing it for the first time. I mean, nah, it's a bad <laughs> idea, yeah. you know. So you know, so I think it's I think it's a great initiative that I started, and I, I hope we get a lot more uptake from you know. Uh, other media outlets like yourself and other podcasts and stuff, you know, we'll just start beating the drum. Hey, and just let me know, man. But look, we did it last year. Yeah. Well, I supported yeah, you, you did last, it last year. Yeah. And, you know, but a lot of people did it, but they changed their Twitter handles. Yeah, yeah. yeah we added the that. keys and the dates yeah. and everything. And it was worth it. Like, you, I mean, you, you proved it personally to be. I found half a Bitcoin that might, because ne- I would never had a reason to go back into that account because I don't trade shit coins anymore. Right. And there we go. No, I I I know multiple people yeah. that uh, significant amounts of money in yeah. anywhere from like point one of a bitcoin to several bitcoin. Wow, you know. So I mean, like, how much is just out there that people forgot about? I think there's a lot actually. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot, and I mean, think what happens to that. You know, it becomes unclaimed pat property, and then that service provider just like keeps it, right? Well, I mean, what, that's what, what happens. Well, I mean, what point do they think they after about two or three years? You know, they just sweep it into their own account. Yeah. You know, it's been dormant. They start charging account fees. Like, there, there's one place, well, gosh, what was it? They were charging 10% per month in account fee. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, to because they don't want to deal with all these, like, dormant accounts, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I mean, we do this once a year. Like, might be finding some Bitcoin. I mean, it, it can't hurt. Yeah, and you develop these skills, and we help all the new people that come into the space. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be much more fun this year because last year, you know, I put I put the tweet out on December 9th, the initial one had a hundred thousand views in like forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. The tweet did, and you know, I was a little worried. It's like, well, I hope hope I don't blow up the whole ecosystem. <laughs> but if we do, like, it's everybody's fault that has paper Bitcoin instead of Bitcoin in their own yeah. wallet, right? And Andreas was actually pretty just scared that that would happen. But you know what happened? Quadriga CX failed. Hit BTC, Bitfinex, Tether kind of had issues, small issues. And Coinbase, about 10 days after I put the tweet out, they they decided to, quote, test their cold storage system. And so they moved 850,000 Bitcoin on the Bitcoin blockchain. So I think they're trying to calm the nerves, right? Mm-hmm. So who's actually probably fractionally reserved? Wouldn't surprise me if it's Coinbase. Wow. You know, maybe they've sold two or three million Bitcoin and they only have 850,000 of them that they actually have, right? Damn. You're going to put the pressure on them in January then? Well, if people actually do proof of keys, you know. <laughs> all right man well listen like, I mean, uh, why, why, why are we trusting why, why are we trusting don't trust don't verify trust. yeah like it's very simple don't trust verify tell them send all my bitcoin to this address you're going to learn whether they're going to do it or not and you're going to develop your own abilities so you know that and that that and that's extremely valuable for you and who knows you might find bitcoins that you otherwise forgot about exactly that's the important bit so anyway we've done really well here 
Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. <laughs> Proof of Geese is going to be great this year. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really healthy exercise. But I, I would like to see more Proof of Reserves. I think it's only right. I've, I worry for people that, I don't know, an exchange has a run on it. And not everyone can get their Bitcoin out. Another Mt. Gox, it, it, it is, yeah. Well, I don't even leave anything on an exchange anymore. Well, just be first, you know. Yeah. Get, get in the lifeboat first. I've, and and what, what, what are you going to do? Like, you do it, and we don't have an issue. Like, let's say nobody, no exchange fails this year. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But you've developed your skill. You know how to get in the lifeboat now. You've actually done the drill. Plus, each exchange knows this is going to be coming every oh, year. Oh, yeah, every yeah. year. It's going to be coming. I mean, I, I, but I do it every day, proof of keys every day. Right, yeah, I, I mean, a lot nothing, of people do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's just kind of fun. Let's have a celebration. Mm-hmm. Like, January 3rd, 2009, Satoshi gave us a tool of monetary sovereignty. Let's flex our muscles, like, once a year. Are we going like, to have a halvening celebration as well? Oh, yeah. Well, we do that. Usually, I, I always seem to, I, I go to, I've gone to a happening party like every year. So I'm sure we're going to have one this year. I've never experienced one. Oh, what? Yeah, Newbie. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of green. I, I kind of, when, <laughs> I, when I screwed up in 2013, I just kind of ignored it for a few years, missed one and came back. So, But it, it's fun, you know. It's fun to, you know, it's fun to have these community mm-hmm. things, you know, because, I mean, okay, yeah, we got our magic internet money, but it's experiences, relationships, you yeah. know, it's fun. Oh, like dinner last night was fun. Oh, like, it was a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, look, anything you want to leave at the end? Anything you want to tell anyone? Uh, yeah. I mean, proofofkeys.com, we, we have resources that help walk people through a lot of that stuff. Okay. My Twitter, at Trace Mayer, and Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, www.bitcoin.can. I mean, those are kind of my three things. Otherwise, it's, you know, claim your monetary sovereignty. Like, why are you going to be some spineless gelatinous blob that just gets like <laughs> that, that just gets like worked over by whoever like controls the keys to what you think are your assets no claim the keys like put on your big boy and big girl pants and hold your own private keys like it's like flex those muscles all right man well listen we'll do another show in probably december for uh, proof of keys we'll bang the drum again and uh, it's always great to have you on <laughs> it's trust. gonna be a hoot all thanks all right, how was that? Do you enjoy that with Trace? Feeling pretty bullish? I know the price has been pretty crazy recently. We've had a big drop down from where we're hanging around 10K. I think the backed volume has been pretty disappointing. I saw a note that it might be down to that. Who knows? I'm still bullish. I'm still on my 10-year cycle, not selling anything for three halvings. And it's always great to catch up with Trace. I do love spending time with him, and it was great to spend a few days with him up in Wyoming, hang out, talk Bitcoin, eat some steak, And I also loved how we got into how Bitcoin will perform in another economic downturn. This is something I've thought about quite a lot. I know other people do. And it's kind of uncharted territory for Bitcoin because the last massive downtime was the birth of Bitcoin. So if we do see another global recession, I think it'll be interesting to see how it performs. I'm not super confident that Bitcoin will perform as a safe asset yet. I don't see it performing the same way that gold will. I could see an exit from Bitcoin, but who knows? Let's see. But if you did enjoy this interview and you haven't listened to the show I did with Trace, Caitlin, and Tyler last week, check that out. And also, you might enjoy the show I did with Raul Powell. So you should go back and check that out. That was a monster, and we cover Bitcoin as a hedge in recession pretty thoroughly in that one too. Okay, if you've got any questions about the show, do reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, if you want to support the show, so many things you can do. If you listen to every week and you want to lend me a hand, please go and leave me a review. Go and click on the subscribe button. 
go and check out my website, whatbitcoindid.com. There's a support section there that'll explain everything. Right. As I said in my intro, I'm preparing for the launch of Defiance on Sunday, Sunday, October the 6th. Hopefully, if Apple approves it, it'll be out. All three launch shows will be ready. Also, as I said, I'm going to be heading back out to the States on October the 9th. I'm going to be heading to Ohio, Portland, San Francisco, LA, Austin, and New York. Loads and loads happening. Any questions, do reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 